Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to Inside Strategic Coach with Dan Sullivan. Dan, we're having a lot of fun doing a deep dive into the Scary Time Success Manual strategies, and today we are doing number seven, which is forget about who you were and focus on who you can be. And certainly in conversations with our clients, one of the things that's becoming incredibly clear is that there's a whole opportunity here to reinvent ourselves. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about this. As you're looking at scary times, why is it important to forget about who you were and focus on who you can be? Well, I think there's two answers to that. I think that for most people, who they were was decades or perhaps even a lifetime in the making. So their whole life, you know, and I'm just thinking about this, that if your people are 40, 50, 60 years old, Mm -hmm. from a historical standpoint, it's been a pretty comfortable, fairly easy 50 or 60 years. And part of the reason is that there's a big structure that's been more or less in place in the world since the end of the Second World War, and that's basically... The U.S. as a country kind of guaranteed global security with its military and it kind of guaranteed global prosperity with protecting trade routes, protecting energy supplies. Also that the U.S. was essentially open as a free trade zone for other countries' products and services. So from an economic standpoint, from a security standpoint, it's been a pretty peaceful, prosperous growing 50 or 60 years. I was born about a year before the Second World War ended. So I was born just before the invasion of Normandy, two weeks before. And then the agreement, which basically put the post-war world together, has been in place for my whole lifetime. So I've lived under this. For most people who, you know, they grow up, they go to school, You know, and college became a big thing during this post-war period. People didn't used to go to college. And, you know, in 1950, when things got big, in 1950, only 8% of Americans had any kind of college experience. You know, graduating from high school was the big thing. You know, you were a high school graduate. Mm. And, you know, now you have to be a college graduate. I mean, college graduate now is equal to the social status of high school graduate in 1950. So... For the most part, your life has been pretty good, you know, and you've never had anything that stopped the economy. You've had downturns, you've had recessions, but you never had anything just totally not only stop your economy, but it just kind of stopped the global economy. So this is very different. And who you were before this event, probably a lot of it's not going to be useful to you after the event. So that's the first way of approaching. And then there's entrepreneurs. There's people who decide their life is going to be entrepreneurial. And that's a totally different world. And the average entrepreneur who's successful, from my experience, and I've been coaching them for 46 years, Shannon, they've probably gone through, you know, five to 10 reinventions of themselves when, you know, the marketplace changed, products changed. The economy was up, the economy was down, and they're kind of the first ones to feel any change like that. So the really successful entrepreneurs have had much experience of kind of saying, well, that's who I used to be. Now I have to be someone else. So for them, what we're noticing, because we have very successful entrepreneurs in the strategic coach program, 
we're noticing a remarkable contrast between how they're approaching the challenge to reinvent themselves than other people. Other people really, really don't know mm-hmm. how to even go about thinking reinventing themselves. And I would say that most of our entrepreneurs, after about six weeks of this, they're already 80% in the new world. They're in a new normal now. So whether you've done it before or you haven't done it before, and whether this is familiar to you or this is very frightening to you, you are going to have to be someone else in the new normal. You have to give up a lot of who you used to be or who you think you used to be. Which can be a somewhat intimidating thought. But Dan, one of your cues that I really like, something that you say is from now on, take your cues from the inside, from your dreams, ideals, values, and operating principles. So let's talk about that for a moment because those things are much more stable than the external environment, if I'm interpreting this correctly. Yeah, and I think that this is the issue that entrepreneurs, for the most part, I haven't talked about this that I know of, but my sense is that the really great entrepreneurs I know are more in touch with who they were when they were a child Mm. than people who are adults, you know, but they're not entrepreneurs. And that is that entrepreneurs tend to be very, very driven for their entire lifetime by childlike dreams. And what I mean that, you know, remember dreams when you were a child, things were exciting. Everything was new. Everything was amazing. Everything was fresh. And I find 50 and 60-year-old entrepreneurs who are very much exhibiting that same sense of excitement during, you know, the present crisis that I've noticed in young children. I've noticed, Mm -hmm. you know, six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds. Oh, this is great. I get to try out this. Oh, this is great, great. Oh, I don't have to do this anymore. Oh, great, you know. And it's really, really interesting, this ability. So my feeling is that this is natural to children and entrepreneurs don't outgrow it. And (laughs) it's natural to other children and they outgrow it. And they're not in touch with when they were a reinventor, like all children are reinventors. You know, they, they have different games, they have different interests, they're learning different things, they're developing new skills. So there's a reinvention going on in childhood. But a lot of people, you know, I would say by the time they hit 30, certainly by the time they hit 40, it's pretty well locked in. There's not really going to be a new them during this lifetime. And they have a lot of nostalgia. They remember this. And I find entrepreneurs don't have nostalgia at all, because I think what people who are not entrepreneurs are nostalgic about is when they were a reinventor. And entrepreneurs take that reinvention experience with them. They're always reinventing themselves. And it comes from the inside. It comes from dreams you've had. It comes from things you've learned about yourself. It comes from thinking about your thinking, that you have really unique ways of thinking about things. And I think other people take their cues from the news media. They take their cues from the news, period. They take their cues from what other people are thinking and saying and doing and everything Mm -hmm. else. But they're not really in touch with their own thinking. But that doesn't get you past the gate in a situation like this because there isn't an old normal world that's coming back after this. Everything is shifting. And so who you're going to be, if it's going to be successful, is going to be a result of reinvention as we go forward. 
I love that. And I also really appreciate that you talk about your ideals, dreams, values, and operating principles are going to come with you. Mm -hmm. And you have a piece of coaching here, Dan. Take advantage of external confusion, of which there's a ton, to become self-directed, self-managed, and Mm self-motivated. And so that locus of control, if you're looking to the news media for clarity and direction, good luck with that because there isn't any. But what you're saying is bring that back to yourself and really use this opportunity to grow the internal aspects of you. Yeah, well, there's two ways of looking at the crises that we're in, that this is a one-off and then after we get past this crisis, then things are going to become stable and predictable, kind of like they were before, you know, or equal to, if you think of February, January, Mm -hmm. uh, because we can date this because it's specific to the coronavirus crises. And is there a belief that this is just uh, this huge event that happened in early 2020 and then we're going to get through this and then things going back to normal? Or is the coronavirus crisis just indicative of what's going to come? There's going to be more crises. And maybe this is just a symptom of a lot of things that are going to be happening economically, technologically, politically, and everything like that. And, you know, from my standpoint, because I am very interested in history, and, you know, I've looked at this, I think the abnormality is what happened from the end of the Second World War until right now. And now we're actually getting back to the way that world affairs actually are before there was this kind of supervised peace and prosperity. You had one country that had the ability to kind of put in place order and prosperity, and that's not the way the world is organized that one country can do that anymore. Mm -hmm. And so my sense is that the new normal is going to be more like the scary times than it's going to be like the old normal. I think there's a lot of scary times coming. But you can make your capabilities okay with that. You can make your plans for yourself okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, that's the kind of world we're living in right now. So it won't shock you as much when another thing like this happens, you know. Right. Because even the people who aren't prepared for it have kind of normalized it. And you start getting people, this is really boring. Well, it tells you that they've normalized it. <laughs> it's true. So that whole ability to be adaptable, to know your own strengths and talents and dreams and ambitious, that's really what's going to be the success formula yep. moving ahead. Because yep. as you said, you know, we kind of were in this bubble before and now it's probably lots of different types of scary times. So learning how to be really resilient yourself is going to be incredibly and adaptable and then, you know, have the things that are permanently confidence building for you have them be inside not outside oh i love that yeah because you don't have control of the world outside of yourself but you do have the potential for controlling your responses to anything that does happen Mm -hmm. i've always put the emphasis on being in control of dan you know being in control of how dan responds to things i mean once i get half a foot away from Dan, you know, the world starts being uncontrollable. So, you know, and you pick your spots and you have choices about where you want to live. You have choices about, you know, the kind of occupation you want to do and everything like that. So, I mean, we all build predictability into our lives because we have to have it. Mm-hmm. 
you can't enjoy today unless you have a certain amount of certainty about tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But my sense is having internal capabilities that doesn't matter what happens outside of me, I know how I'm going to respond to it. I'm going to respond to it you know, with optimism. I'm going to respond to it with learning. I'm going to respond to it with achievement. So it doesn't really matter what happens outside of me. And then, you know, the world can take care of itself to a certain extent. I love it. Then circumstances are just the raw material for you being positive and achievement oriented and all of those things. Before we jump to the strategy, Stan, which I'm very excited to dive into, the alternative is not particularly pleasant. So during scary times, people who don't have an internal sense of themselves end up feeling victimized, alienated, and oppressed. Yeah, and you can hear a lot of it, and it's coming from the most surprising sources because it's coming from people who have been extraordinarily well-rewarded. I mean, you know, the main complaints aren't coming from people who are down and out. The complaints are coming from people who are very Mm -hmm. famous. I mean, a lot of them are celebrities in various types of industries like the entertainment industry, the technology industry, the academic industry, the news media, you know, government, and they're complaining and criticizing. And I think they're scared. You know, they're very, very scared. They didn't think that being who they were, that there would be anything in the world that could upset them because... They've sought out their position in life, their status in life, and now they feel victimized and they feel alienated and oppressed. And they're actually more fearful than most people. Most people have adjusted and, you know, it upsets your schedule. It upsets, you know, how you handled the management of your personal life and, you know, your work life and everything else. But after three or four weeks, there was technology that could help you and, everything. I think there's a lot of celebrities in today's world who were very famous and people paid attention to them because after all, if you're famous in one area of life, you must be smart in another area of life. We're finding, well, it ain't necessarily true. Mm -hmm. A Hollywood actor who's won Academy Awards doesn't have anything useful to say about disease, doesn't have anything useful to say about how you get people back to work, doesn't have anything useful to say about how, you know, all sorts of mechanisms in life have to be changed, border control, mm-hmm. you know, and everything like that. And they want to say, well, I've got all this to say about it and nobody cares about it. And I think it's a shock to them. And I think that they're in the greatest jeopardy. I think people who have been famous and influential in the old normal, their status doesn't make the trip to the next normal. That's a good way of putting it. they feel victimized. They feel alien. And they want to blame. They're blamers. So you see a lot of blaming. Well, you know, there's 8 billion of us on the planet. I mean, you know, we've all got to adjust one way or another. Mm -hmm. Our friend Nicole has actually forecasted the end of the celebrity culture because the real heroes are the ones in the trenches, you know, the person who picks up your garbage and the frontline workers and the people working in grocery stores. And those are the people that we're lauding and celebrating and appreciating right now. So the, yeah. the rest of it looks completely extraneous. Yeah. So I think both of you have a very strong point to make. About well, it's that. a bit like, I mean, the hunger games was kind of a preview. If you saw the hunger games, you sure know, did. The capital city, you know, mm-hmm. Donald Sutherland is just, you know, one of the most deliciously bad villains you know, who's ever been an actor and just the sheer worthlessness 
of the life in capital city where the mm -hmm. people out in the various zones, you know, had to struggle for life and they had to play this awful game where there was only one live winner that would come out of it. When I saw the Hunger Games, I saw all three of the movies, I said, you know, this is kind of a prediction of some stuff that's kind of coming. I said, this contrast between the wealthy who are watching other people suffering for amusement and entertainment and have all sorts of snotty, you know, opinions and judgments about people who aren't like them. I said, you know, I said, I think this may be coming. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Definitely a different type of game we're playing yeah. now. Cool. Dan, let's jump into the strategies because I love the direction that you provide about how you can really forget about who you were and focus on who you can be. Yeah. So your first action or strategy is to expand your best talents. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. And I just want to read your description here. You use each day's activities and challenges to identify and strengthen your best talents in the most important areas of your life. Our talents and strengths, first of all, you have to be aware of them. But just defaulting to those gives you incredible capability and resourcefulness, I think, to address that. So I love that that's your first point. Yeah, and I think the identification process, Shannon, is helped by seeing that there's three distinct time periods here. There's the old mm -hmm. normal, there's the scary times period that we're in, and then there's the new normal. So there's going to be three time periods. They're going to be very distinct from each other as probably when we get into the new normal, you'll be able to look back and you'll be able to see the borders between these right. three. And what is the talent that you have that was good in the old normal, was even better in the scary times, and will be better in the new normal. So what you're seeing is that things happened in the old normal, January, February of 2020. And I had developed over about a five or six year period the ability to do Zoom conferences and Zoom podcasts and Zoom interviews. I was very comfortable with the medium and it just kept getting better and better. The technology just kept getting better and better five or six years. But when we made the switch into scary times, we couldn't do live workshops and we're still in a period where we can't do live workshops. But I had this Zoom talent and I'm good in an improv kind of way, you know, I don't need a lot of preparation. I can come into a communication setting, podcast with you, conferences with high-level entrepreneurs, and I can just roll with it. And I've just gotten utterly comfortable with it. So that's a talent that I think is going to do nothing but expand. So who I'm going to be in the future is a lot more Zoom Dan, you know, Dan the Zoomer 24-7, you know, everywhere in the world. And I can see that talent. And then I have a goal, you know, that what we've created in Strategic Coach starting in 1974 when I first started coaching, then the company starting in 1990. And now it seems to me that we're really in a position to go all around the world now. And mm -hmm. you're doing a coaching session with entrepreneurs from Australia who have a great background and familiarity with coach, but we would never have thought about that in a normal year. Next month, I'm doing two with our UK-based clients, and I'm doing two events with that. And I said, well, you know, India, you know, maybe we'll do India, maybe we'll do, you know, the Middle East, maybe we'll do Eastern Europe and South America, all sorts of places that we can do. I mean, 
if I'm doing the one to India, I'm sitting at this table. If I do the one, you know, to the Middle East, I'm sitting at this table. If I do one to Argentina or Peru, I'm sitting at this table. So I don't move. The technology takes me. Well, that wasn't in our game plan before the scary times. And the other thing is, I've noticed that since we've entered the scary times, my progress has accelerated. My thinking about useful ideas for entrepreneurs to think about their thinking during this period of time. So I'm experiencing increased talent. I'm experiencing bigger goals. I'm experiencing accelerating progress. So who I'm becoming, in my mind, is a lot bigger than who I was before this all started. Mm-hmm. I want to just focus on the point that you made about bigger and better goals, too, because one of the things that you're finding with our highest level clients in our highest level program is that this has really actually dramatically expanded their ambitions and what they thought was possible, just as you talked about yeah. going global, which I think is, to my mind, of a little bit of an unexpected strategic byproduct, which is what we call these things, that's come out of this is all of a sudden way bigger things are possible, not smaller, which is what you would anticipate from the media, but actually much bigger opportunities. Can we chat about that for a moment? Yesterday, we had two big workshops. We had 50 strategic coach clients on two Zoom calls. In one case, it was a replacement workshop for a scheduled program. And the other one was just anybody who wanted to check in who is in our 10 times program or our free zone program. And one was Peter Diamandis, with whom I have, we at Strategic Coach, and I personally have a long time collaboration with creating a program called Abundance 360, which is about technology and where technology is coming. And, you know, he was just one of the entrepreneurs that was on the Zoom call yesterday, but I just checked in with him for a couple of minutes before I started. And he says, you know, I've never been so alive in my life. I'm on fire. He says, I just feel totally, totally ramped up about this. And, you know, if you've been with Peter in normal times, he's pretty ramped up in normal times, but I could see the difference. I could see the difference. He says, all sorts of things that I thought were going to be possible in the future are actually possible in the present. Everything Mm. is speeded up. And there's a huge jump of new capability. But what's interesting, and I mentioned this to him in my conversation with Peter, I said, you know, I still get newspapers, actual newspapers. Um, Most days I get a local Toronto newspaper, and then I get the Wall Street Journal. But I was looking at the Toronto Saturday edition last Saturday, and first of all, it was very thin, and that's because there's no advertising. And all the headlines were doom and gloom. So I just sat there, and I went through there, and I said, that's very, very interesting. This whole section is not commentary and news about what's happening in the world. It's actually commentary on what's happening to journalists. Mm -hmm. The entire establishment of journalists in the world are very scared because there's a chance that after we get through this, they don't matter anymore because they haven't been useful in their reporting during this period. It's been mostly wild claims and, you know, just bad news. And I said, yet every day, Shannon, you and I every day are having lengthy conversations in the Zoom medium where everybody, even if they're having a tough time, are saying, well, you know, this is good for me. This is good for me. Yeah, it's hard right now, but I have to tell you, if I handle what's happening right now, 
things are going to be really big afterwards. Nothing's going to be smaller afterwards. That's one of the things I noticed. Nothing's smaller. Everything's bigger. My talents are bigger. My goals are bigger. My progress is bigger. But the big thing is my teamwork is bigger. There's been a huge expansion of teamwork of actually understanding how people are useful. We have concepts like unique ability. We have a concept called who, not how. We have a concept called simplifier, multiplier. And if they didn't take them seriously before, they're really taking them seriously in a practical way on a daily basis right now. So I would say all our entrepreneurs, their teamwork capabilities, both their attitude toward it, but also their ability to utilize other people's abilities has jumped through this period. Yeah. Which actually ties back to expand your best talents because in a time of crisis, you have a few really strong capabilities and then you need to be in really powerful teamwork with other people to get everything else done. So all of these tie together. So, so far we've talked about expand your best talents, have bigger and better goals. And as you said, Dan, our clients are determined to come out of this better, stronger, faster, and bigger, which is very exciting to hear about, even if their present circumstances aren't positive, to really accelerate your best progress, so how you're going to grow every single day. And then, as you mentioned, strengthen best teamwork. And then the last one to touch on is really about maximizing new technology. You've talked about Zoom, and there's a lot of resources around which are just super useful right now, which I'm very much appreciating. Yeah, I think Zoom is like a super highway, but there's all sorts of interesting off-ramps and on-ramps from other technologies. You know, Zoom has gone, I think in the first six weeks, they've gone from 10 million daily users to 200 million daily users. And they've become sort of the name of the activity, you know, like Xerox, There's a lot of copier machines, but we call it Xerox. And, you know, it's like Google. There's a lot of search engines and they're everything, but everybody says, well, Google it. So they've just come along at the right time where the name of their company app is everybody's description of the activity. So you might be using a different platform than Zoom, but you call it Zoom. You're Zooming in and, you know, that happens. You become useful just at the right time and human affairs, and they describe your usefulness by using your name. But the big thing is that we're discovering that Zoom or other technologies that you're using, you know, I mean, there's phone technologies that do the same thing as Zoom. But there's, I think, two discoveries that our technology capabilities for this crisis are incredibly better than previous crises. Okay, and we've been able to stay connected in a way that's never been possible before. Actually, more connected than you were when you were in normal life. You're talking to more people, and you're talking probably at a more useful and important level than you would during normal times. But the other thing is that I'm discovering about this is not too much more than this is needed. Mm-hmm. In other words, I don't need to be in the actual room with the other person. I mean, my brain can fill in what the room looks like that you're in right now. And, you know, you can look at my room and you can say, oh, I I remember that room. And our imaginations are spurred on by not having all the information. You know, it's like Shakespeare. I've seen Shakespeare at 
what's probably as close to the first real theater, mm-hmm. the Globe Theater in London, which is actually based on the plans of the original Globe going back mm-hmm. over 500 years. And they don't show a forest. They have a sign that says Forest of Arden. And you say, oh, someplace over there, there's a forest. And your brain fills it in. Your brain fills it in. You know, They just put a sign up. Well, the, you can't possibly put the forest on stage, you know. So we just put aside forest or art. Oh, yeah, that's the forest. In our brain, we fill in the forest. So I find that Zoom gives us enough information or the other platforms that do this, and our brain fills in the rest of it from memory, from films, videos, and everything else. And actually, it's really good for our brains. It's like listening to radio. I could picture everything that I was listening to. Read books, I picture everything. And this notion that we have to have the complete reproduction of something at a distance we don't. Our brain will fill it in. Mm-hmm. That's such a great point. And there's, you know, all of this amazing communication technology. It's what you're communicating and with whom I think is super important. You know, we have our fabulous friend, Nick Sonnenberg, who's got brilliant insight about how to make remote work actually work and all of the backstage systems that you need for that with his great CPR formula. So there's so many capabilities that we have, you know, sometimes what's come up in conversation is, you know, the Spanish flu epidemic in 1918. And there's letters, you know, there's posts you can see from what people had back then. And it's like they had to stay at home and do some of the same things. But with none of the capabilities that we have right now, probably, you know, sending telegrams was the closest thing they had to communicating. Well, so they we, couldn't even do that, you know, mm. because nobody had a telegraph capability in their homes. You had to go to a particular True. office in the city, you know, that did that. Some had phones. I mean, phones were somewhere, but, you know, it was very expensive, you know, mm-hmm. and you were charged by the minute. Yeah, Yeah. so we're very blessed at this point. I mean, there's lots of downsides, but we are so fortunate in terms of the technology and it's getting better by the second. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. So this is my whole notion is without knowing it, people have reinvented themselves, but it was at a more leisurely pace, you know, and it was in response to changes that they had decided to make Mm -hmm. here Changes have been decided by forces outside of our control, and we've had to respond to them. But I've just noticed that entrepreneurs, especially, they have a track record of having reinvented themselves in response to entirely new circumstances. This is a big one, but they Mm -hmm. practiced on a lot of other situations in response to a lot of other challenges. So this thing is forget about who you were before the crisis started because it's not relevant except what you can carry forward that will get bigger. Mm -hmm. And Dan, you talk about you being in charge of you, which I think is such a great way to put that. You know, focus on who you can be by expanding your best talents, focusing on having bigger and better goals, accelerating your best progress every day, strengthening your best teamwork and maximizing new technology. It's just such a great set of strategies and actions for people to take to be able to do this. I always appreciate your thinking because you had an expression the other day. You said, if you're not thinking your own thoughts, you're thinking other people's. Mm -hmm. And so this to me is a phenomenal recipe for how to think your own thoughts and not pay attention to some of the doom and gloom. And I think this actually makes everyone hearing this more entrepreneurial. There's people who put themselves into the, we call the, you know, cross the risk line into the results economy, but it's actually 
for those who are looking at this time period as an opportunity to reinvent themselves, it's actually probably creating some pretty powerful entrepreneurs too. Yeah, even the people who are bleak and suffering through this, you know, there's going to be a day in the future when they're tired of being that way and other people are tired of them being that way. And they're going, I guess I better go out and do something useful and I guess I better take a more positive approach because no one wants to hear about my moaning and groaning. And my, I don't watch television. I haven't watched television for two years. I just got into a situation where I hadn't watched it for six weeks and I noticed I haven't watched it for two years now and I don't feel I'm missing anything because the internet combined with YouTube, you can actually review things. But there was this very, very prominent commentator for one of the cable networks who tweeted that he had just hit the wall and that he was by himself and he broke down crying and he crawled into bed. It was so funny. Everything's so bleak. Everything is so terrible. But he's a famous commentator. He's getting paid millions of dollars for this. And he's been very judgmental about other people and very critical. And I said, you know, come on now, get your teddy bear. Come on, come on, put on your big boy pants. You know, nobody cares about your misery, your bleak, you know. And he just got slaughtered. You know, it was like 20,000 people said, you know, what a soft lump of uselessness and everything like that. And so my sense is nobody cares. Nobody really cares. I mean, you're in a leadership position. You're in a major network. You're supposed to give out messages that are useful to people. You know, you can do this. You can do this report on success. But no, I mean, he spends all his time, you know, criticizing and complaining and predicting the worst possible things. And sounds like when he goes home at night, he believes his own commentary. You know? mm-hmm. I was going to say it came back to bite him. <laughs> Yeah, so at some point in the future, he's just going to, you know, be removed or he'll turn around and do useful things. So everybody's in a different position on the planet. You have greater or lesser resources available. You have greater or lesser advantages open to you. But guess what? Everybody's going to get through it. Great point, Dan. Great point. And if you focus on those principles you talked about, those talents that you have, those capabilities, then you can be the person that comes out of this. You keep using the word useful, which I think is perfect. You know, useful and contributing and positive and have a much bigger, better future, not a smaller one. So, Dan, thank you. As always, I find these conversations energizing and inspiring. So thank you very much. Thank you, Shannon. 